First of all, let's just ask God to bring his blessings upon this time together. Lord Jesus, as we walked in, we came with a spirit of anticipation because we knew that we would sense the presence of Christ in this place. And actually, you walked in as people walked in because you're in our hearts. And thus, we warm each other like a fire. There is a sense of presence that we have because you're here. And we thank you for your presence, for your love, and for what we experience as the family of God together. This is a special day, and we ask you to bless the day and what happens throughout this day as we enjoy your presence. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, what a time we're having. Last night was just unbelievable with the India Children's Choir here. And then uh, this morning we have uh, Dr. Harmon smells and ball. I mean, what more could you want than to, to have two days like this? If I was a student or even someone close in the area, I wouldn't want to miss chapel at Nazarene Bible College ever because something is always happening here. Well, this week uh, I had uh, uh, looked forward especially today, and I didn't know how good last night was going to be, and uh, so I, I really have been blessed. Reverend Harmon Smelsenball, Dr. Harmon Smelsenball, has, uh, has been a missionary all his life. Forty-one years he and Beverly have spent on the field in Africa. His granddad was uh, the beginning of Nazarene missions, really, but especially Nazarene missions in Swaziland. And so uh, Harmon is the third generation, Harmon Smelsenball III. He has lived his whole life in Africa and, as I said, served 41 years there. On the floor of the General Assembly, I, I visited with him and I said, I, I'd like to have you come back. This is my last year. They let me have who I want and I want you. And uh, so uh, he, uh, he agreed, but uh, with one condition, that he'd have time to tell the story. He grew up around the fires of the Africans and uh, learned the oral history and the oral way of communicating. And what I want for you as students and faculty and friends is for you to, to have a little touch of, uh, of what I've experienced in these 70 years in the Church of the Nazarene and to uh, hear some of the people that have influenced my life. And uh, certainly you have influenced my life. And it's not only a joy to have you here, but a contingency who have served in Africa as well. Uh, Bill and Juanita Moon, uh, who served many years there. Brother Spencer, uh, another great missionary from Africa. So we, we have people that uh, will keep you honest today. And that's, that's a <laughs> And then uh, Brother Smelsenball and Beverly, uh, I, I'd like to also introduce to you faculty and staff and students of Nazarene Bible College. These are great people. And uh, so it's a joy to introduce them to you as well as to introduce you to them. Welcome to Nazarene Bible College. Thank you. These words are taken out of Isaiah. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, believe me, there's fire. You will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, and your Savior. I had found what I was hunting for. 
Nairobi, Kenya. I came back over to the office and I got a hold of Beverly and I said, come with me. We piled into the Land Rover and we drove 11 miles outside of Nairobi. You don't have to go very far out of Nairobi to get into Africa. It was wild. Buffalo, lions, giraffe, all along the fence that kept them out of the streets of downtown Nairobi. 11 and 12 miles out of town, we followed the ridge in four-wheel drive. The road had long ago disappeared until we reached the very end of the ridge where it looked down into the canyon. I stopped the Land Rover and I told Beverly, I said, I have found about 80 acres of virgin African land here along the edge of the canyon. On this land, one day, the Lord is going to help us to build a great holiness seminary for the continent of Africa. I want to walk around it today and let the Lord speak to me. If I'm not back to the Land Rover in, say, an hour, honk the horn every 15 minutes until I can locate you. I took off walking that day, and I walked more than a thousand yards through the long grass, keeping a very careful eye open for lions. I turned at a right angle and went down into the canyon. Again, I turned along the river and I came back up through the reed bed, watching out for buffalo or possibly a hippo that was grazing. I climbed up out of the canyon and 55 minutes after I left, I was back at the Land Rover. And I told Beverly, I said, I have a certainty that this land is ours. We're claiming it for the building of the kingdom. Back over at the office, I sat down and I started to pen off a proposal. A couple days later, Dr. Richard Zanner, the regional director for Africa, incidentally, Dr. Zanner is not a missionary. He's a general board appointee, but he shares with us a great burden for the continent of Africa. He flew into Nairobi en route to the other side of the world to the general board meeting. I fed him half a dozen cups of good, strong Kenya coffee, and I handed him my proposal. He read it through. He added a couple paragraphs. He moved a sentence or two around. He stuffed it into his briefcase, and I put him on the plane for Kansas City on the other side of the world. Forty-eight hours later, the voice of Richard Zanner came bouncing down from outer space. And it was a very concerned voice. Harmon, I'm in Kansas City. The nation is paralyzed over here. They're caught up in the throes of a great recession. Everybody is sitting on their hands. They're afraid to venture anything. They're talking about the possibility of a recession like the 1920s going into a depression. Harmon, I don't know what to do with this proposal. I'm not sure it's the right time to present a proposal as ambitious as the one that you have outlined. What do you want me to do with it? And I said, Richard, you're the one over there on the other side of the world where the problem is. I'm out here in Africa. The Lord gave me that proposal. I'll tell you what let's do. You go to prayer in America, I'll go to prayer in Africa. We'll pray all week. At the end of the week, I will telephone you at 6 a.m. K 
Kansas City time. And we'll, we'll see how we feel the Lord speaking to us. You would still have all day Friday to present it to the general board. We hung up, and I immediately reached for the Africa directory. Yellow covered. It carries the name and address, phone number of every African pastor, missionary, district superintendent on the continent of Africa. I took my telephone and I started to dial every district superintendent that I could reach by telephone, country after country after country. When dusk fell, I knew that in many parts of Africa, young men chosen for their speed had been dispatched from district centers. They would run from church to church to church, mobilizing the district to prayer. At stake was a holiness seminary for the continent of Africa. With darkness came silence. I reached for my Rolodex. I knew that on the other side of the world in America, the sun was coming up. I have 3,200 names on my Rolodex, what I have often called a legion of angels, men and women who have involved themselves directly in the front lines of evangelism in the last hours of history. Very carefully, I started to dial the 18 digits of direct dial satellite communication. The phone started to ring in a layman's home on the east coast of America. All night I sat there and I dialed one home after another as I worked my way through the Rolodex. And to each one that I spoke to, I left numbers that they could call until at last the sun came up out of the Indian Ocean and I pushed back my work and Beverly and I went to prayer. We fasted all week. We prayed much. We slept little. And then it was Friday, and then it was 6 a.m. in the morning in Kansas City at the King's Conference Center on the headquarters property where Richard Zanner slept. He was sitting on the edge of his bed with his watch in his hand in German fashion, staring at the telephone. On the stroke of six, the phone rang half of one, num of one sound, one note. Richard jerked it off of the hook. He didn't ask who it was. He didn't greet me. He didn't ask about the church in Africa. He didn't ask about how Beverly was. He just started shouting. And it was a good thing I could understand a lot of German. Harman! Harman, guess what's happened here in Kansas City? Last night, after the late night session, I had a cup of coffee with the divisional director of World Mission. He tells me that for the last 48 hours, his phone at headquarters has never stopped ringing. Calls from every corner of the United States from every major city, from every district. And as of 11 p.m. last night, on his desk, there was cash totaling $268,000 earmarked for immediate use 
in establishing a holiness seminary on the continent of Africa. It's go. At nine o'clock this morning, I will present the plan to the general board. My world exploded. I barely got the phone put down until it was ringing. I picked it up and on the other end of the line was Dr. Bill Prince. He was up in Germany at Schaffhausen, Switzerland. Harmon, I just heard from Kansas City, a seminary. They're talking about Nairobi. I said, I know. He said, how on earth could you know? They just did it. I said, doctor, I've got pretty near direct line. He said, listen, I've got a good idea. If I catch the 11 o'clock flight out of Zurich, I can be in Nairobi at 8 p.m. Get the preachers together. Let's go dedicate the land tomorrow. I said, doctor, it's a proposal. I don't own the land. Oh, he said, you wouldn't have gotten this far if the Lord wasn't in it. Let's claim it and dedicate it all at the same time. He came off the airplane that night in that short a notice, I could only round up 140 brand new Nazarene pastors who had never met a general church leader before. And truckload after truckload after truckload, we packed the mountainside out there 15 kilometers from Nairobi. A herd of giraffe moved back about 100 yards and stood and watched as Dr. Prince preached his heart out and claimed and dedicated 80 acres of virgin African land. I got them back to the airplane, piled them on, the, got the preachers back into town. My phone was ringing when I got into the office. On the other end of the line was the district superintendent from Alabama. Harmon, my name's Jernigan. My wife's name is Lee. We're sitting at the airport in Birmingham. You are in deep trouble, and I'm going to bail you out. I'm not only the DS of Alabama, I'm chairman of the Nazarene Architect and Engineers Association. I've got building plans from every Bible college, including the one in Colorado Springs, from all of the Nazarene campuses across America. I'm headed for Nairobi to help you lay out a, a campus. Don Jernigan didn't realize it, but the master had just moved him dead center in the front lines of evangelism. His last years on earth would most certainly contribute as much as he had ever done in his entire life to the building of the kingdom. He came off the airplane, rolls of building plans under his arms. I was like a kid in a candy shop. We laid them out all over my office floor. I told him, I said, Don, I'll take a building like that one from ENC in Boston. And give me one like this one over here from Mount Vernon. And give me a building like this one over here from Southern Nazarene. And, and give me one like this one over here from, from over in Idaho at Nampa. And give me another one like this one over here from Point Loma. And one like this from Mid-America. And one like this from Trevecca. But leave off the white pillars in front. When I got to about the 18th building, he said, how big a campus is this going to be? And I told him, I said, stick your head out of the window. When you can see the end of Africa, you'll see the end of our job in Africa. When I got to the 80th building, he said, you're going to need more land. 
I said, I'm sure we will. He said, how are you going to get it? I said, that's not my worry. I just handle the paperwork. The master has the resources. Don Jernigan plunged himself into the beginning of the new work in East Africa. I got him back onto the plane, headed to America with all kinds of instructions on how to put together buildings in a tropical country. My, my phone was ringing. It was a layman from, from uh, uh, Olympia, Washington. Harmon, my name is Bob. My wife's name is Yvonne. We were classmates with you at Northwest Nazarene College years ago. Harmon, listen, I own an international company. We've got secretaries that man the clocks 24 hours of the day and night. Here's an 800 number given out all over America. Anybody wanting to become involved in building a holiness seminary on the continent of Africa, have them call this number. I'm putting together a travel agency. We'll get the, the cheapest tickets. We'll put together the work and witness teams. In fact, we'll take care of every detail on this side of the world. You don't need to worry about it. Bob and Yvonne, the master had just moved them dead center. In time, the Lord would take their eldest son to be your pioneer missionary in the opening of Scandinavia. And Bob and Yvonne, well, they're still involved 24 hours of the day out there in Africa. Bob flies back and forth with me to the board meetings. He was there this last week with me. My phone was ringing. It was a layman in Middletown, Ohio. Harmon, my name's Pat. Wife's name is Sue. How can we help you? I said, what do you do? He said, I'm, chair, I'm uh, foreman of the most beautiful, biggest steel mill in all of Ohio. I said, do you have a career tr training school as part of the mill? He said, you bet, the best one in Ohio. I said, if I sent you the truck engines and the diesels and the cement mixers and the generators, would you check them and make sure they're worth sending all the way to Africa? He said, Harmon, we'll strip them down to the last nut and bolt. They'll come out of our workshops better tolerances than the factory could ever build into them. Pat didn't realize it. The master had just pulled him in to the team. In time, they would go through thousands and thousands of dollars of heavy equipment. And I called him one day. I said, Pat. I just got off the phone to a layman by the name of George up in Chicago. He owns a marshalling yard. Send the stuff to him. Won't cost us a dime. He'll pack it into containers. He'll put it onto the ships going down the St. Lawrence Seaway, across the Atlantic, the Straits of Gibraltar, the Mediterranean, the Red Sea, the Suez Canal, the Horn of Africa, to the port at Mombasa, and then inland to where today under the trees, an enormous pyramid of multicolored containers, ebbs and flows, and two giraffe stand in the shade of them and watch the world ch change around them. There was a phone call to Olathe. We talked to Dr. Mark Moore. He was on the next plane to Nairobi to help us put together the whole thing out there. The phone was still ringing the next day, picked it up, and it was the pastor of Detroit First Church. Harmon, do you, you, can you use any work and witness yet? 
I said, Richard, the papers of title deed just came through yesterday. I can use everybody you can send. He said, I'll have two teams in Nairobi by Friday. I stood there in the dim light of that airport with the moths flickering around the lights. I watched those million candle power Klig lights come on as that Boeing 747 touched down. I watched the Africans run the wheeled stairwell out to the plane, climb up the steps and open the door. And into the doorway stepped a legion of angels carrying tens of thousands of dollars worth of tools, enough to multiply my hands a thousand times over in just a few weeks. Dirt was flying in every direction. We were digging foundations, cutting rebar, beautiful blocks of volcanic rock, people with wheelbarrows, all shouting, Africans, working witness people. I finally got that crowd from, from Detroit back on the plane past the office and the phone was ringing. It was H.B. London in Pasadena. Harmon, I'm in trouble. Can you help me? I said, H.B., I'm 12,000 miles away. I'll do anything you want me to do. He said, I've got 100 men sitting on their duffel bags in the parking lot. They were supposed to leave this morning for, for a project in South America. A revolution broke out in that country. Can you use one hundred men on short notice. I said, if my memory serves me correctly, at 1.15, there's a British Airways flight from LAX to London. It meets up with an Air Kenya 747 from there to Nairobi. In 18 hours, I will meet that plane. I'll have 100 work permits with me if you can get them on. Did you ever watch a hundred men carrying shovels and saws and hammers and tools, come down off of an airplane. Two giraffes moved back another 50 yards and watched the world explode around them. My phone was ringing. It was Keith Wright in Kansas City. He had headquarters people. They came off the plane from all over that district. I taught B. Edgar Johnson. General Secretary, Church of the Nazarene, 72 years old. I taught him how to do a deep penetration weld, 50 feet above the center of the chapel that was going in as the centerpiece to the campus. Got them onto the plane, headed back to America. My phone was ringing. It was John Bowling from Kankakee. He had teams from Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, all over the middle of America. For nearly a year, they poured in out of the heartland of America. They came with every skill that you can imagine. And building after building after building was going up. Finally got them on. It was Millard Reed on the other end of the line from Nashville. He had teams from Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Arkansas, Alabama, uh, Florida, all three districts of Florida, from the whole deep, for two years, it was folks from the deep south. When I finally got all of them on the line, headed back to America, it took me three months to teach those Kenyans how to speak the king's English again. And to this day, I have Africans come up to me and say, 
Y'all going to town soon? <laughs> Moody and Nina Gunter came and dug foundations in a holiness sim. David Hayes and, and Steve Weber came and dug foundations for a holiness a seminary. James Dobson and his wife Shirley came, spent two weeks in Nairobi digging foundations for a holiness seminary. Harold Graves came from Ohio with steel workers. They welded everything that'll ever need welding. Gene Phillips came with corn farmers from Iowa. I kept warning them not to get out before dawn until a hyena chased two of them up a tree one morning. Didn't have any problem with those farmers after that. Steve Fletcher came from Yakima with teams from places all over the Northwest up there. They came from every single state in America. Three teams from Hawaii, two teams from Alaska, from Germany, from Australia, from South Africa. They came from every major point in the United States of America. Two 1,300 Nazarenes paid their own way, traveled halfway around the world to dig foundations in a holiness seminary in the heart of Africa. Ten years ago, this past week, we officially opened the doors of the Africa Nazarene University in Nairobi, Kenya. We had 72 students as the opening class. We graduated 70 of the 72. It was the government of Kenya and three of us, Mark Moore, Dr. Al Jones, and myself. Dr. Mungai, chairman of the Commission of Higher Education for Kenya's government, stood to his feet. He said, ladies, and gentlemen, the ballot is in from Parliament, and they have voted to accept the proposal of the Church of the Nazarene to establish a Christian university at the edge of Nairobi with a theological graduate school seminary as its heart. Well, everybody got up and started clapping and shaking hands, and somebody leaned over and said, We've been praying you Nazarenes would be successful in this venture. And I looked around, it was the Vice Chancellor, University of Nairobi. I said, sir, what do you know about Nazarenes? Oh, he said, they impacted my life. America, exchange student, couldn't find a church in the city where the state university was that pleased me. I drove to another town, found a Nazarene church, attended it for six years. I've never been the same. I said, what church? What town? He said, you'd never have heard of it. Little town out west. I said, I've traveled a lot. He said, it's 20 miles west of Boise, Idaho. Little town by the name of Nampa. I attended college church for six years. Our pastor was a tall, distinguished gentleman with jet black hair. His name was Eugene Stowe. What's he doing these days? I said, they elected him general superintendent. He traveled the world telling the story of Jesus. He's just retired. He lives in Denver somewhere out there. Al Jones shot past me, grabbed the vice chancellor by the hand, called him by his boyhood name, 
and started to argue with him over a basketball score that was 35 years old at Northwest Nazarene College. I stepped back. Leah and John were coming full tilt, arms waving. And then it struck me. 35 years before that, I had just graduated from college at Nampa. Beverly was six months behind me. She would only graduate in the spring. Al Jones had been, just been elected our new student body president at Nampa. Thirty-five years before that, on the other side of the world, the master had started to move the key players into place for the establishment of a holiness seminary in the heart of Africa. Ladies and gentlemen, I came from Nairobi this past week. We are fully accredited. I was up in the boardroom, four stories high, looking down the fence line. Two giraffes stood under the trees down there. An enormous campus that covers over 35 acres, and we've just added another 60 acres to it. They were breaking ground for the new student union buildings. Olympic-sized swimming pool, 11 shops, a clinic. The whole world was changing. There was a rustle at the door, and in walked the general superintendent in charge. He sat down, shuffled through his papers, cleared his throat. He said, Harmon, if I read this report correctly, you've never received any budget on this project, and you are operating in the black. I said, that's right, doctor. They told us there wasn't any funds for a seminary, but we felt like we needed it. He said, do you realize you're the only such institution in the denomination that operates in the black on the strength of its own fees? No, I said, that's interesting. Maybe they'll include us one of these days. Somebody else walked in and sat down at the head of the table. It was the new president of Africa Nazarene University. I turned around and looked looked, and it was Dr. Leah Morongu, outstanding educationalist, two master's degrees, Olivet, a doctorate, Iowa State, presidentially appointed chairperson to the Commission of Accreditation of Universities, East Africa, chairperson of the Kenyatta Foundation that's developed the high school curriculum right across the middle of Africa. Every civilian award that Kenya can give, she has won. I said, Leah, how many students this term? This is this last week. She said, at this point, there's 993 enrolled. I said, Leah, how many applications? She said, we have just over 5,000 applications, valid applications. I said, Leah, 
How big is it going to get? She said, stick your head out the window. When you can see the end of Africa, you'll see the end of our task. Young men and women sitting in the class right now, just as they are here, sharpening the weapons with which to take on the enemy in the battle for the soul of Africa. It's happening all over the world. The doors are wide open. It's happening. Add them to your prayers. After chapel, you're welcome to walk by up here and take a look at some of the pictures of the campus. Oh, and keep in mind, it's in the black. God bless you.